This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we are going to talk about a lot of exciting subjects. One, how to clean your jewelry. Um, we'll go into lapis lazula or lapis. Take a look at that real briefly. We're going to look at the new discovery of the oldest bow and arrow ever found outside of Africa. We'll talk briefly about the allure of the wonderful pearl. Um, we also are going to talk about Arkansas Quartz. So before we get that into that though, I want to encourage you guys to stop by our blog. That's where all our links are located at radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com and you will find all of our links on that blog including many different blogs on any one of those blogs. Come join our Facebook community. Uh, it's growing well over a thousand. And thank you again for tuning in. If you have any suggestions or ideas or have an interesting story or idea, we'd love to hear about it. Come down to our Facebook group, Radical Rocks, and join. That's free. And let me know what you're thinking. And let's put some of those great ideas together. So let's get right into it. Um, today, first, we'll talk about the pearl. The Allure of the Pearl. Um, this article was on Yahoo Life and uh, came out by a Rachel Burrow, written on June the 12th, entitled The Allure of the Pearl. And she has talked about the history of pearls here and how they've been found since really early days and became really the adornment of those of antiquity, such as ancient Rome, of course, China and Asia and different countries and into England. Some interesting history of pearls is that Cleopatra was believed to have crushed a pearl in a glass of wine and uh, drank it to prove a point to Mark Anthony. And during the Dark Ages, knights would wear these pearls to protect themselves. The Chinese culture also believed that pearls would guarantee purity of the wearer. So they have been just fashioned since way back uh, to Persian princes in 420 BCE on through England. Um, even in Rome, Julius Caesar declared only the ruling class could wear pearls. And this was kind of adopted um, during the 15th and 16th centuries where in uh, other royalties were told that only they could wear these pearls. The article has a interesting picture of, um, I don't know, it looks like Queen Elizabeth or one of the queens decked out in beautiful pearls. Also, um, you know, many actors and actresses throughout the 20s uh, and on into uh, modern times have been adorned with pearls. And pearls, if you're not familiar, they are... Um, they are produced by a living organism, as most people know. Uh, some sort of an irritant or a piece of sand makes its way into the oyster and disrupts the interbody, um, which it creates something um, of, of the hardness, which is a composite material that forms naturally around this pearl, and it just gets thicker and thicker and bigger and bigger. The first cultured pearl was created in the late 1800s, um, natural pearls are very, very rare. Um, today, they are, they are said to be found in 1 in 10,000 oysters. So many pearls are created through a process of implanting a little sand or a little irritant in, into, the per, into the oyster. 
and then uh, letting them form a pearl. Now, um, these pearls have become, uh, some are very valuable, even though some are being, you know, cultured pearls, but many are very, very expensive. Um, there is a natural pearls are of course worth the most. The Empress Eugene's natural pearl earrings fetched $3.3 million in 2014. But, um, pearls are not just white. I mean, they come in all different colors, from green to gold to brown to white to yellow to um, even black pearls from the French Polynesian islands, a very rich black hue. So all these different varieties, even pink, uh, can be found. So there is a huge selection of different types of pearls. One interesting thing, one of the rarest pearls that can ever be found is from the abalone if you're not familiar with the abalone, um, they're quite large. Um, they're not like a clam. They're more like a kind of like a big, uh, I guess, like a snail with a big flat, round clam-shaped shell on them. But the shell is usually can get um, ten, twelve, you know, ten inches um, wide. And they're beautiful. The iridescent colors in this uh, abalone shell. Um, are collectible, but some abalones actually have uh, pearls, and they're considered the very, very rarest because nobody has figured out how to culture them. They have to be found naturally. They're extremely rare and found in the rocky coastlines such as uh, North America, all the way down to uh, Baja and all the way up to Alaska. So that's it for pearls today. Um, Interesting discovery. Oldest bow and arrow um, technology outside of Africa is being claimed on the Griffin News site at uh, news.griffin.edu.au, and that was written June the 15th. And they have some beautiful pictures of these um, arrows and cutting devices and tools made of stone that uh, they've never found anything, they say, this old outside of Africa. Um, they used them to hunt monkeys, squirrels. Um, they're made, some of them, with bone and uh, other different, uh, you know, rocks and things like this were used for beads and things like this. The article goes on to say that uh, this is uh, goes back, they believe, 64,000 years. I don't know how they can come up with the date just by looking at a rock or a tool. Um, I know all those things are uh, debated on the science, but they're claiming these are the oldest ones, and I'm sharing that with you. Um, bones, tooth tools, scraping, piercing tools for making nests, um, plant fibers, and they also believe that they use these for making nets. So this is what they consider the very scarce and oldest tools that were used for making nets. And when you look at these tools, they are different than the typical arrowheads that you see. Um, so you can see these are definitely more for scraping, and um, not all of these tools are for hunting. This is in this was discovered in uh, South Asia. So there's been a lot of discoveries lately in Asia of old tools of antiquity that uh, are getting the attention of a lot of um, archaeological uh, archaeologists and this was from the tropic rainforest of Sri Lanka so that's it on that um and the next topic we're going to talk about lapis um lapis lazula so 
This is a beautiful rock, a beautiful mineral, um, dark, dark blue. The article that I took it from um, is goes into some of the um, metaphysical and uh, those type of things, but it also has some good information on Lapis Lazula itself, and it's at uh, yourtango.com, and it says, what is the spiritual meaning of Lapis Lazula? It was written by Maddie Calico, uh, the editor anyway, and it just talks, it shows, uh, of course, Lapis has this uh, spiritual meaning to people, which is compassion. You can think of the, the blue um, is a kind of a relaxing, cooling effect um, or feeling. Blue has always been treasured um, in all cultures when it comes to adorning yourselves with rocks and minerals. Now, in nature, though, um, lapis is said to be made when limestone or marble is altered by igneous intrusions, which creates its layers and its vibrant blue. Now, usually um, lapis... Uh, Lazula, in particular, is found in Afghanistan, but um, other lapis can be found throughout the country. Even uh, some denim lapis is found here in California, um, up in the San Bernardino County. And uh, if you join some of the rock clubs in the area, like the Orange Belt Mineralogical Society, um, every once in a while they do a little walking trip up there, if you're fortunate, and uh, you might be able to get some of that. Now, yeah, that is if the area is still open, right? I, I believe it is, but you'll have to check. The main difference between um, man-made lapis uh, and and the natural type is, of course, you know, it's it's cheaper when it's man-made. But you know, there's only that blue and that texture that comes from natural, and I just don't like man-made at all. The um, as long as there's still some left and and it's affordable, then it is getting more expensive. But uh, it's still you know the average person can get uh, a lapis stone or a, a slab of lapis from eBay or um, you know online or whatnot. Now in ancient time, um, lapis lazula was thought to be of the sapphire family. It was considered very special um, by a few countries, ancient countries like China, Egypt, Greece, Rome, Mesopotamia. Uh, potanium amongst others now people started using this since the beginning of time back 6,000 years is what they date the uh, use of lapis back to and the meaning of lapis lapis lazula is said to be derived from a latin word where lapis lazula stands for the stone and the azula part stands for the shades of blue now the quality is rated by the color primarily um, you want the color to be for its most valuable blue. It's going to be very blue, free of white um, calcite and veining, and even free of pyrite and golden flakes. Now, sometimes people do like the golden pyrite flakes in there, um, and that is desirable. So it just depends on your taste, and I'm just quoting what's here in the article. But, you know, the midnight dark blue color has been historically and throughout history the most collected and most valuable. Um, the midnight blue color is because of the presence of calcite that changes colors as, uh, you know, uh, as it has a higher concentration of these minerals. The ancient Egyptians used to grind this powder and use it as cosmetics and even painters during the Renaissance used it to um, make a beautiful blue shade and uh, pigment that would be long-lasting colors in paintings, in uh, many paintings.
So let's see. Um, the price of selling um, lapis lazula is depends on the color, and if it is a finished product, then of course the quality of the product. And real collectors can identify this from artificial to um, imitation because of the natural look, and they're familiar with looking at real samples. It's colored by copper sulfite, um, and then uh, the fake kind is used uh, with glass, plastic, sodalite, and other minerals used as imitations. So um, be careful. Again, Afghanistan isn't the only part of the world where you can get this. It's also mined in the Mediterranean, South Asia. Um, it is a very popular gem throughout the Middle East and here in the uh, United States and all over the world it has been very collected. I um, think that's going to do it on that. Um, you know, you can use this stone as a cabochon or carvings or necklace or, you know, a ring. You might want to be careful with it because it is kind of a softer stone. So um, you do want to be careful if you're using it on a ring. Okay. And um, next... Next, we've got one of the keynote um, subjects on this article is how to clean your jewelry. Um, this is uh, Chris, Christie's website at uh, christies.com, how to clean your jewelry. Uh, it was written on June the 12th. I don't see a um, credit to anyone here, but they talk about a lot of the I guess you'd call them, you know, folk tales on how to clean it. You know, oh, clean it with toothpaste, just spit on it, whatever, you know, these type of ideas. But they're not always the best or may not even be good at all, right? Um, or you think about a modern um, type of cleaning, like a sonic cleaner, uh, ultrasonic cleaner. Is that really what you want to put your stones in? you got to be careful. You need to make sure that you're doing the right thing. But the grease and the grime that gets in your stones, like even a diamond, a beautiful diamond, um, strangely enough, diamonds actually do attract grease and oil. So um, it's important to keep this clean and make sure that you are cleaning your stones appropriately. Diamonds um, are, you know, just naturally attracting grease. So there's different ways to clean them. At the jeweler, I've seen them use a low-pressure steam and uh, it gets them really really clean now over time i don't think that's a great idea to clean them with steam every day but uh, that can be something you do when not washing them up with a soft brush like a soft toothbrush and uh, maybe a mild soap uh, maybe like a dawn or not dawn but like ivory dish soap you know something that's all more natural and soft at least it used to be and just brush it under, um, you know, you can use hot water for diamonds. Now, some stones you may not want to use hot water, but you can use, you know, as hot as you can get out of your tap um, on diamonds, sapphires, and rubies um, without really any concern. Now, if you get to emeralds and things like this, you want to be a little bit more careful. They're softer. Um, they're from the Burl family, you know, aquamarine, morganite. Um, different stones which are um, you know not a 10 on the hardness scale they're about a 7.5 you want to clean these gems with a mild detergent and a warm water and a super soft brush and only for a little time because you can you know if you get aggressive and you're using a really vicious brush um, you can wear these down over years and years and also super hot water can make these type of stones crack because aquamarine and um, 
uh, barrels and stuff can sometimes have little cavities in them that have water in them and if it expands it can actually crack your stone so you have to be careful um, organic and precious gems um, organic is like the pearls that we talked about earlier but also um, you got to watch out with opals and things like that cleaning products can really damage them might be best just to clean them with a soft cloth um, or um, just some water and a soft cloth um, also you want to keep them away from perfumes scented creams and things like this it can really damage their surface and uh, de you know depreciate their value so um, it says here that a uh, 19th century natural pearl and conch pearl bangle could easily be damaged by strong detergents spoiling their luster and affecting their value so you wouldn't want to do that ultrasonic cleaner again um, you know it looks like a great idea um, jewelers do use them but this is something you want to use with caution um, if you have a diamond in a big diamond in a very good setting um, and you're going to keep an eye on it I wouldn't just throw it in there and walk away um, follow the directions very closely you should be okay but the ultrasonic um, can loosen the small settings and your stones can actually even fall out so you want to be careful um, you want to use the right cleaning method with what you're doing um, so just think about how the stone is uh, and how the setting is put together the composition of the setting the size of the stones that are in there and uh, go forth accordingly now once they're clean you want to store them um, in a, a box that fits them well you don't want them scratching <coughs> other pieces of jewelry um, I kind of have been bad about that and having my wife hang all kinds of, of necklaces on one one thing and um, you know it just is not good because we're gonna bang against each other and scratch so be sure that you do that now in conclusion um, we're not concluding yet I have some more news if you are interested in getting Arkansas quartz now this article was written on the rock and gym magazine site I always share an article from rock and gym magazine and that is rock the letter in gym.com um, there's a field trip that they highlight here on the June 11th article field trip focus making memories and discovering as a club and they have gone to Arkansas here to collect beautiful quartz crystals I mean these are the best the best of the best um, the club that is there that is highlighted here went to um, the Bill Reynolds site. Now, the Bill Reynolds site is a wonderful place where you can possibly dig these beautiful quartz crystal points. You can bring the whole family. And you want to get associated with a lapidary club because they really get the best field trips. They get the best deals. And uh, you have other members there that can show you what, how, when, where. Um, so I would recommend checking out this article. Um, or going to the Northwest Arkansas Gym and Mineral Society and talking to them and finding out about their club membership and trips. But uh, there is some beautiful pictures here where they have collected some spectacular um, quartz points that some are as big as your head, um, literally, and they're they're perfect. There's one picture of the the group um, gathered around one that is bigger than a human you know I mean it is huge it looks like it probably weighs 300 pounds 
So um, you want to check that out. Um, it says that uh, they can occur, uh, the veins can occur from a knife edge to <coughs> 10 feet and be 75 feet wide, these pockets. So. so it looks like I'm losing my voice here, so we'll wrap this up one more time. Please come check out and support Radical Rocks. Go to radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com. And remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.